It is seven minutes after the hour. In studio is Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. I've already gotten a laugh out of you this morning. You yes. thought that was an amusing story of a, a spider on fire racing to the mattress for its own life, and then it starts the mattress on fire. I mean, how does how does that thought process go? I think I'll light a spider on fire. <laughs> this is guy brains. We should be able to figure this out between the two of us. You know? Oh, my gosh. That was funny. Yeah, it was. It was painful. Trust me. <laughs> Only I, to the spider, right? Yeah, of course. So let's talk about... Uh, top conversations we need to have if we're going to be a family business and there's going to be three conversations that are going to be important to have and at the end of this conversation I want to bring into the into the equation the idea of learning how to dissent and do it well because every organization every company I think would value from a dissenter so let's talk about that a little bit later Okay. So let's start with uh, some of the important conversations we need to have in a family business. Yeah, this is from an article by Real Business out of the UK. The article is titled, Three Difficult Conversations Every Family Business Needs to Have. The first one is, how do you create boundaries between business and family time? And this reminded me of another article I was I was reading about this, where they were asking the question, uh, to the to the matriarch or the patriarch of the business, are you raising a business family, or are you uh, growing a family business? Because mm. the uh, the difference is profound. I see the difference. Uh, there's I, I work with a couple of family businesses right now where it's all about the business and family is completely secondary uh, to whatever is happening in the business. I'm working with another business where the family and the business have appropriate. I'm going to say distance mm-hmm. or or bifurcation, and uh, both the business and the family are more healthy as a result. I would imagine. Uh, so uh, the second question uh, that they ask is, how do we tackle succession planning? Mm-hmm. And succession planning is a, a difficult topic for uh, business owners simply because they don't want to talk about death. They don't want to talk about retirement. You know, in, in other words, not being useful anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to talk about uh, the end. They always want to keep going. And so uh, succession planning is something that we think families need to focus on to find the right leader for their business who's next in line, whether that next in line leader is family or non-family. And this is where your idea of dissenting can really come in because the families need to have very open and honest conversation about what each family members want out of life, out for their own personal uh, careers, so to speak what they want from the business, that kind of thing. And a lot of times during these family conversations, conflicts surface uh, and people start to really uh, understand that maybe we're not always on the same page. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, these questions are important as families try to navigate their way through succession. Um, And if you're doing it well, what I'm hearing you say, Bill, is you've got business being business. And then when the family's together, uh, maybe for the holiday or a Sunday football game, uh, they're not obsessed with talking about the business. Yeah, one one of the uh, hallmarks that Platinum that we use uh, to decide if the family is healthy is can they sit down for Thanksgiving to get dinner together as a family? Can they have a good time at that dinner and not talk about the business? Mm-hmm. 
In other words, do they have appropriate balance between the family relationships and the business relationships? Look, the complexity here is difficult, and it often leads to clash points. But the complexity is, right now, during the day at the job, I might be your brother, but I also might be your manager, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm the manager during the day, I'm your brother at night. Or I'm your father uh, at night, but uh, during the day, I'm your employer, and switching those hats, you know, going yeah. back and forth on the hats, uh, really uh, requires a lot of maturity on everybody's part. And it also uh, can often lead to some significant clash points because you'll have sons. Uh, the, the proverbial example is you'll have sons who will come in and yell at their dad uh, in the business during the day and treat him like dad rather than treating him like an employer. Mm-hmm. And uh, those kinds of things are not good. So if you're my brother at Thanksgiving and I'm your boss, I'm your manager... I could basically tell you to go get me more mashed potatoes, but if you're my brother, you could say get your own mashed potatoes. That's right. And that would be more healthy. Yeah, get your own mashed potatoes. Right. But when we show up at work on Monday, if I say go get me more mashed potatoes, you might have to go get me more mashed potatoes. You might, but uh, you would hope that the brother in charge would have more maturity than that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that we, we will find out if that's true or not. Um but the, <laughs> Go light the spider on fire, right? Right, right. <laughs> so the families are needing to develop a vision about the business, and they need to uh, bring their, their values, obviously, to the business, but they also need to figure out how to love each other. And, uh, you know, maybe that's the job of the head of the household to say, um, as, as the leader of the pack here, and when we get together for Thanksgiving, I'm not going to... I'm not going to talk about business. Yeah, and I'm not going to treat you like we're in the business and we're not going to, we're, we're, we're going to be a family. We're going to talk about the hopes and dreams of the family members. Look, one of the hallmarks of a healthy family that also owns a business is that some family members can excel at, at uh, pursuits outside of the business and achievements in those areas are celebrated just as much as success within the business. So, for example, you might have one brother who decides that he wants to go work in the business and make that his career. You might have a daughter that decides to go on to law school and and become a lawyer and becomes a partner in a law firm. Both are celebrated equally within the family. And so uh, what happens in, in some of these enmeshed families when you're growing a business family as opposed to a family business. If you're doing the former, the business family, uh, the daughter who goes and becomes a lawyer and becomes a partner, that's not celebrated. Mm-hmm. That's not valued mm-hmm. uh, because she really almost betrayed the family by leaving the family business and going on to do her own thing. And so healthy families celebrate success irrespective of whether it achieves uh, in the business or outside the business. Mm-hmm. So let's talk, uh, Bill, about uh, disagreeing with your boss. Let's f- let's figure out a way to, to make this seem healthy because uh, it seems if you're going to have a healthy organization, if you have a dissenter in the group, right? you know, if there's, uh, if there's eight boys on top of the roof with an umbrella, and they say, hey, if we jump off and open this umbrella, we'll float to the ground. You know. Well, there's, there's a difference between disagreement and just stupidity. Well, I get know? that. I'm just using this as an example. And there's one kid in the group that says, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. Right. Uh, right. That boy needs to be listened to. Yes, he does. Even though the other seven boys are saying, oh, boy, you know, this is going to be fun. We're not going to get hurt. Yeah. And so how do we... I'm going to go to break right, right now. But how do we do this in business where we can be the dissenter and say... Hmm, I'm not so sure that's a good idea. 
and then not be uh, considered the outcast or the troublemaker or the person who's just um, disagreeable and cantankerous. There's a big word for the day. It's 15 minutes after the hour. I'll be back more with Bill English in just a minute. It's 17 minutes after the hour. Is it reading an article of a gentleman who is uh, sort of wishing he could disagree with his boss and was kind of feeling like um, maybe wanting to complain a little bit, so he sort of put some of these complaints and disagreements into an email to send to a coworker. He hit send and realized he sent it right to his boss. Ah! And... Uh, so he quickly uh, raced over to her office with an oversized bouquet of flowers to apologize. <laughs> Didn't work, did it? Uh, I don't think it worked. <laughs> she uh, was very kind to him and said, uh, boy, ne- next time you disagree with me, just tell me so we can talk about it. And her advice was uh, very generous and very helpful. And, uh, and it's important to be able to confront someone and to be able to disagree, because disagreements are inevitable, they're normal, and they're a healthy part of relating to each other. And if we think we're going to work in a conflict-free work environment, I think we're not. So we have to figure out how to do that and do it well. So yeah. I'm with me in, in studio, of course, is Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Mm-hmm. Bill, you must have some thoughts on that. Yeah, when you need to disagree, whether it's laterally, up the up the ladder, down the ladder at work, that kind of thing, uh, there's there's several parts of, of your message that you need to kind of map out and think about, and then you can uh, and then you can be clear in your communication. The first thing I would suggest is that you uh, um, state what you have observed. Here's what I have observed. This is what I've seen. This is this is verifiable evidence. Had the videotape been running without sound, <laughs> this is what I would have <laughs> yeah. seen, and this is what we all would have seen. Okay, right. And and then the second thing is this is what I felt. So I felt angry, I felt sad, I felt happy, I felt excited, you know, whatever the feelings were. Now, part of the problem here is is that uh, you, the third thing is you want to go, I shouldn't say part of the problem right now. Uh, the, the, the third thing is, this is what I think about what I observe, and this is how I felt. So here's what I observed, here's what I felt, and here's what, I, here's what my thoughts were. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people get the feelings and the thoughts mixed up. I feel that we should table this discussion until mm-hmm. later. That's not a feeling. That's a thought. Mm-hmm. Okay? I feel that you are not listening to me. No, nope, that's not a feeling. You might feel discounted. I feel discounted because uh, I'm observing that you're not listening to me. Now, that's a more congruent message, right? And so when you can talk about your observations, your feelings, and your thoughts, and they're congruent, it's tougher for people to... Avoid you. It's tougher for people to discount what you're thinking and what you're feeling and what you're observing mm-hmm. because the three are congruent. You know, uh, Ken Kaiser, who's usually in on Wednesdays as well, who's in Arizona right now. So, Kent, if you're listening, I hope you're having a nice time. Uh, but he will always confront a student in his class. When the student starts a sentence with I feel, Kent will instantly interrupt them and say, You need to stop saying I feel and replace it with I think. I think. Yeah, because when we're dealing with people's feelings, well, how do we do that at work? I mean, 
Uh, I know feelings at work are important, but how do we deal with that? I mean, lead with your thinking. Does that sound right? It does. Lead with your thinking and lead with your observations. And then there's two other areas to lead with. One is your wants, and the other one is what you're going to do. So let me talk about the wants for just a moment. One of the most powerful statements that you can make is to learn about the other person's experience in these uh, dissenting situations and to learn what they want and then state back to them that I want for you what you want. Mm. You know, um, so maybe maybe uh, you and I, Bill, are having a disagreement and you want uh, to uh, have the corner office. Okay, let's True. just say. Okay. True. And so, I, you know, if I come to you and I say, look, Bill, I want you to have the corner office, that becomes a very powerful statement. Mm-hmm. So you state what you want for yourself and you state what you want for others. But the way that you state what you want for others is to get to know them and get to and crawl inside their head and their emotions to find out what they really want, what they really think, what they really feel. And then if you can genuinely support that, you state that back to them. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most powerful ways to lower the tension in an argument or in a disagreement. And then, um, well, you know, uh, talk about the do part. So this is what we've tried in the past. It worked, didn't work. This is what we're doing today. But I'm going to commit that I'm going to do this action or this other thing in the future in order to try to resolve this conflict or try to resolve this dissension. So... Um, You want to look at what you observe, what you feel, what you think, what you want for self and others, what you do, have done, are doing, and will do in the future. Mm -hmm. You do those five things, those five things, which is um, when they are congruent, they become a very, very powerful message uh, within business. And um, uh, shameless plug here, this is what I do in a one-day seminar called Managing Difficult Business Conversations. Awesome. All right. So, now, now, Bill, if we're always asking if there's a better approach, um, and maybe that's creating some friction, and sometimes that can be good creative friction. Yeah. Uh, is there a new, better solution? Uh, but if we're always trying to ask our coworkers or our boss if there's a better way of doing things, um, that, will, that, will that come across as passive-aggressive, or will that come across as you're, you're really a forward thinker that wants to make things better, or... Are they going to look at you and say, oh, you just got your personal agenda one more time, pushing for change? You know, it depends on how you do it because most of our communication is nonverbal. It's not verbal. And so I think it depends on the attitude that you say it in and the context in which it comes up. I think I think if you're saying, look, I'd just like to explore a couple of other um, ways to think about this uh, just to make sure we don't miss anything and we co- uncover every rock kind of thing. Uh I think most people would go along with that. Okay. It's always uncomfortable when somebody uh, will challenge your ideas. Always. Because, you know, and it, I wonder if it's even going to be more difficult for some of the millennials that are coming into the workforce who maybe uh, got participation trophies after going on 13, that when their idea comes to the surface and they're told, eh, maybe not so much, they, they could be even more devastated by that. You know, we don't know how to disagree in this country. We we have we you can so tailor your world now with technology that you never hear opposing viewpoints. You can tailor your world so that you never have to have a winner or a loser. We just don't do disagreements at all in this country. And uh, one of the best things we could do is to learn how to disagree amiably without mm-hmm. being what's, what's the phrase uh, disagree without being disagreeable. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think our country has lost that. Do you think that when uh, companies, uh, employers, employees work through a conflict together, 
that they end up uh, possibly not only liking each other better, but they've, they're on track for a better work environment? Uh, my short answer is yes. My longer answer is uh, it's one of the undeniable truths of Christian business ownership is you can't get any traction without some friction. Mm-hmm. And so you need to uh, learn how to uh, have disagreements, but do it in a way that is loving and kind. Truth without love uh, becomes uh, a very harsh ruling. Love without truth becomes this willy-nilly wet noodle uh, thing that uh, nothing ever really gets accomplished. You need a balance between truth and you need a balance between love. And uh, in, in, in management team meetings, I talk about the last 10%. So, Bill, you might you might um, uh, appreciate this. Um, what I talk about is it's easy to give the first 85 or 90% of a message. It's that last 10% where I know I'm going to tick them off or mm-hmm. I know it's a really sensitive yeah. topic. And so at the end of every management team meeting that I lead, I go around and I say, have you given everybody the last 10%? Ooh. Ooh. So let me just in conclusion say, if you're not afraid to constructively disagree about issues at work, there's a chance you're going to be happier going to work. And there's a chance that you will probably get promoted because mm. most people don't handle conflict well. So those that do end up getting promoted because they're seen as leaders. Yeah. All right. Bill English, thank you so much for coming in today. Have a great, great day. And you too. I will see you next week. All right. Yeah. It's 27 minutes after the hour. We'll take a break and then we're going to go to break point.